from the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. This is Pardes from Jerusalem. I'm Larry Kluger, a Pardes alum. This is a special episode for Yom Kippur by Rabbi Rachel Berkowitz. Rabbi Berkowitz is a member of the Pardes faculty. And now, Rabbi Rachel Berkowitz. The verses in the Torah which discuss the individual's relationship to Yom Kippur emphasize two important points. In Vayikra Tet Zion, Verse 16, verse 29 states, You should afflict your nefesh, yourselves, your souls, and should not do any melacha, any work. Verse Lamed Aleph 31 says, Shabbat Shabbaton hi lachem vanitim et nafshotechem. It is a Shabbat, a great Shabbat, a Shabbat of rest for you, you shall afflict yourselves, your souls. These phrases of Shabbat and cessation from Malacha and Inui, affliction of the souls, are, report, are repeated again in Vayikra Kaf Gimel, Leviticus 23. Um, in fact, throughout all the, these psukim, the concept of affliction happens, mentioned five times, the Concepts of cessation from work and Shabbat is mentioned four times. And similar to the verse I just read at the end of the unit in Leviticus 23, verse 32, Lamed Bet, it says again, Shabbat Shabbaton hu lachem vanitim et nafshotechem. So what's interesting is usually when we think about Yom Kippur, we focus on these inuyim, on the affliction, on how we do something to ourselves. And the focus is less, in my experience, on what is this concept of the Shabbat Shabbaton. In, and so I am interested in discussing these two aspects and how they are interrelated and I think connected. The Mishnah in Masechet Yoma, in the tractate that deals with Yom Kippur, in all the first chapters deals with the temple service, but then in the last chapter, it focuses on the individual's experience of Yom Kippur, and it opens with the famous Mishnah that says, Yom HaKippurim Asur Ba'achila Uvishtia Uvichitza Uvishtia Uvinila Tasandal. This is source number three. Um, on Yom HaKippurim, it's forbidden to eat, to drink, to wash, to anoint oneself with oil, to put on leather sandals, or to have sexual intercourse. And when we see this list, we think of it as descriptions of the way I afflict my soul, how I refrain from the bodily comforts and enjoyment and pleasures that I normally feel throughout the year. And on this day, I am, I am creating some type of discomfort that I feel bodily. What's interesting is that the Midrash Halakha from the same time period as the Mishnah on Sefer Vayikra relates these very same lists specifically to the concept of the Shabbaton. Source number four says, Uminayin shiyom hakipurim asur b'achila u'bishtiyah u'rechitza u'bishchiyah u'tashmishamita. From where do we know this list that was mentioned in the Mishnah that all Yom Kippur is forbidden to do these six acts? Um, Tamud Lamar, because the verse teaches us Shabbat, Shabbaton Shvut, that says Shabbaton, so we cease from these. And then the Midrash continues, Could it possibly be when it said the word Shabbaton that we were supposed to on the Shabbat 
that is linked to creation, the Shabbat that happens every week, the normative word uses of the Shabbat, that there too would be supposed to be ceasing from these bodily needs. And then the text says, Tomud lomar Shabbaton ve'initem. No, the verse said, it is a, a, a day of rest for you and you will afflict, right? Who asor bukulan ve'en Shabbat reshit asor bukulan, right? That day in which the affliction is happening, i.e. Yom Kippur, is when we are forbidden to do these acts. So here we see in this text that um, the definition of the acts are actually a definition of the Shabbaton, right? These things that we refrain from doing are the, the Shabbaton of, the, of Yom Kippur. So what does that mean and how do we understand it? So I would like to try to unpack that a little. Um, I would like to think a little bit for a moment of, of our regular Shabbat model, Shabbat Breshit, and what their Shabbat means and what the rabbis understand um, cessation from Melacha means. So in the Mishnah and Shabbat 7-2, it lists for us the 40, um, the 39 prohibited acts the, that we, um, the prohibited creative acts that one for, refrains from um, in the rabbi's view on Shabbat. And um, what's very interesting is the way that they have um, bundled these acts together and the picture that it paints. So I'll just read in the English, right? It says, sowing, plowing, reaping, biting, she's threshing, winnowing, selecting, grinding, sifting, kneading, baking. So those are all the acts from the time one plants till the creation of bread. And then we have the next list, shearing, wool, bleaching, um, hackling, dyeing, spinning, weaving, making two loops, weaving two threads, dividing two threads, tying and untying, sewing two stitches, tearing in order to sew two stitches. And so there we have all the acts from taking the wool off the animal to making clothes. And then we have capturing a deer, slaughtering or flaying or salting it, curing its sides, scraping it of its hair, cutting it up, writing two letters, erasing in order to write two letters over the erasure. And so there we have from unfortunately, the killing of an animal, to the creation of uh, of a scroll, of making a book, of something you could write on. And then we have um, building, tearing down, extinguishing, killing, striking with a hammer, and carrying out from one domain to another, right? These are the... F- um, these are the primary labors that we're talking about. These are the Avot Melacha. So there we have the building of buildings, right, of, of shelters and the creation of utensils. So the description that we have here of what Melacha is and what we're ceasing from doing on Shabbat is the, the creative acts that human beings do to build human society, to build human civilization, right, that we are able to feed ourselves, clothe ourselves, use our minds and create books and study and study Torah and have habitations that protect us and utensils that enable us to work in the world. Um, lastly, the going from the domain to a domain, if we were having a whole class on this, we could discuss, but I think it fits in this, right? That's, that's going out into society, going out into the world and interacting with the world that we have just built and created together in these six days. So when we cease from doing Malacha on Shabbat Breshit, we are acknowledging that all, just the way the divine stopped work after creating the world, we too have built a world. We've built human civilization, and we too have the power of creative acts similar to the divine. But we cease from that to recognize that we understand ultimately 
that all the good that has been built and given for us in our lives, the main source of that is the divine who is the creator of the world and not just our work that we did and that we understand and we acknowledge by ceasing from this and possibly seeing the bracha around us, the blessing around us of what we've created to acknowledge that the source of that blessing is greater than ourselves. So when we see this model of Shabbat, I would like to now go back to that list of things that we cease to do on Yom Kippur and see if we can get some understanding of what the Shabbaton that we're adding to, this greatest Shabbaton that we're doing on Yom Kippur. So when we look at the list, right, at first, right, it seems like um, it's clearly things that a human being needs, their body as what it means to be human needs, right? And the list is interesting. It's, it progresses, right? We have food and drink, which are the most basic sustenance needs of a body to live. And those are things one places inside the body. Um, then we have the outside of the body that we wash it and that we sometimes anoint it with oil to make our skin soft and healthy. And so these two, which you might just think are extra, it's like you could live without washing possibly, right? But these two are bodily needs that enable us to sustain our body in the world to keep it healthy and to keep it clean. And then we have other bodily needs, which are interesting, wearing shoes and having intercourse with um, people that we care about. And so those things are interesting. You could, you could look at the shoes as protection and you could look at the intercourse, sexual intercourse as enjoyment, but um, then there's not really exactly a connection between the two. And up until now that two, there was pairs, pairs, pairs in this list. So I'd like to suggest that the last two have an aspect of like my body interacting with the world, my body going outside and encountering things on the ground and my body going and encountering other people and making connections with it, right? Our feet connect with the ground. Sexual intercourse is the ultimate connection with another person. And so here we have a list of the basic human bodily needs to sustain itself in the world, right? And it's interesting that the Mishnah equates all of them, right? The Gemara actually asks, I don't understand. Really? We're equating all of them? Shouldn't food and drink? Those are the ones that are like the Torah law and not the rabbinic law. Why does the uh, Mishnah make them seem all equal? But the Mishnah is telling us something very interesting, I think, about what the rabbis understand to be human bodily needs. It's not just the most basic thing of the food that I need to sustain myself so I don't die. That's not life. Right. The definition of life is not just that my body has food in it and can breathe. The definition of life is a level of sustenance that sustains me and things that I enjoy and make me healthy and the capability of having a body that can then interact with the world. And so it seems that the Mishnah is telling us that I am afflicting my soul by refraining from these things, but I am also doing a cessation. I am stopping and I am stopping from what it means to live in the most basic way as a human being. I've stopped doing melacha, so I've disconnected from human civilization. And now I'm in some ways disconnecting from my bodily needs. So this is interesting to me. And one could try to think, why what about Yom Kippur would I need to like sort of annihilate my body and, and, and cease from all my most basic bodily needs? So you could think, 
okay, that could help me focus more on repentance. Um, I won't be distracted. Um, you could suggest, right, these, when you see from most bodily needs, I'm sort of doing a metaphorical death. And I could be saying, or possibly I've sinned and transgressed in a way and I deserve to die in some way. But, um, luckily, hopefully God will have mercy on me and, um, give me life again. I would also like to suggest, similar to what we saw with Shabbat, that the purpose is to acknowledge that this life force that is within me, that I need to care for and sustains me, um, the source of it is the divine. And a realization of that no matter how much, just the way, no matter how much I built society, if God didn't give me the things I need, I would not be able to do it. No matter how much I care for my body, if God hasn't given me the source of life, um, I wouldn't be able to live in the way human beings live. And what's interesting to me about this message is where the Mishnah takes it. Because in this very same chapter, after we've just defined these six things that are forbidden to do, and we've sort of cut ourselves off from our bodily needs, the Mishnah immediately goes to say that we need to pay attention to our bodies, and we need to be aware of what our bodies needs, what our body needs. And so if you look in Mishnah 5, source number 6 on my source sheet, um, it describes the cases of a number of people who have to be acutely aware of their bodies on Yom Kippur, right? It says a pregnant woman that smells some food that she desires to eat, we feed it to her until until she re- feels restored or literally she returns to her nefesh. Now you might think, wait a second, I don't understand. The whole point of Yom Kippur is to afflict my soul. Isn't this a perfect situation? Like she's hungry and she smells some delicious food and she feels that affliction of not being able to eat and she's like, her soul is being afflicted, right? Why are we suddenly feeding her to get rid of this Inui, to get rid of this uh, pain? Um, isn't that the ultimate of what we want? And it seems to be by the use of the word nafshah here, to say, whoa, 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 there's a very fine line. We do not want you to take Yom Kippur to the extreme. We do not, we want you to recognize that, um, that human bodies are, um, need to be taken care of and that the ultimate care of human life is the divine. But that is a gift that the divine gives you. And that is our most precious thing. And so actually it seems to be that the message is, when I'm, I'm not denying my bodily needs, I need to be most acutely aware of them. By not eating, I feel how hungry I am. By not washing, I feel how much I need to take care of my skin. Um, by disconnecting from other people, I feel the need of how important that is. And actually, it seems to be that the goal of ceasing from those most basic fundamental things that maybe we take for granted is to make you acutely aware of the needs of your body, so much so that here we have a number of messages that say that if this is going to push you too far and there's something dangerous going on, wait a second, stop what you're doing, take care of your body. Um, the next in image is one of someone who's sick. A sick person, we feed them a pea bakiim on the basis of experts, right? If doctors say this sick person needs to eat, we feed them. And then the Mishnah says, sham machilim oto al pi And if there isn't... Um, doctors there, 
we feed the sick person based on their own knowledge of themselves until that person says, I've had enough. That's enough for me to eat. And uh, sources uh, eight and nine on my source sheet are from the Gemara where they say explicitly that the sick person is the ultimate decider of if they need to eat or not. Um, even if the doctor says they don't need to, if the sick person says, I need to, the sick person gets fed because they base it on the Pasuk from Mishle that the heart knows the bitter, bitterness of the soul, right? Lev Yodea Marat Nefsho, the same Nefesh, that ultimately we are the ones that know what's best for our bodies. And so what's so interesting here, right? And we have another example uh, that's in the Mishnah, in Mishnah 6, right? Someone who has been uh, grasped or seized by a bulmus, what exactly that means, the rab- tradition understands it, that they're ravenously hungry, they're sort of in a crazed state. We feed them even food that is forbidden, verim tmeim, things that are normally would be a transgression, right? Until their eyes a light again, so the life force is brought back to them. Um, and so we have a scenario that I would like to suggest that the reason we are refraining from these things on Yom Kippur is to make us acutely aware of our bodily needs, because our bodily needs are really the core of what makes us be live human beings. Those are the life force that in, are in us in our most basic state. And so the goal of Yom Kippur is to realize the sacredness of that life, that God and the divine is, as the divine is the source of that spark within us. Maybe that is the Tselem Elohim in us. I don't have time in this podcast to think about the other aspects of Yom Kippur and how it is to make the temple Tahor and the concept of the temple being where God resides and that things Tuma, which is linked, the ultimate Tuma is linked to death, um, is antithetical to the, t- to the, to the temple. Because as the source of life, um, death doesn't fit with the divine. And so the spark within us that is most similar to the divine is this life force that we have within us. And, um, and so we learn on Yom Kippur to acknowledge that we have these bodies that have needs, that have this life force within us. And that life force is the ultimate, most sacred thing. That is the gift that the divine has given us. And then the Mishnah progresses to say something that we may all know, but it's interesting to see that we are taught it here in Yom Kippur. Um, in this chapter on Yom Kippur, at the end of Mishnah 6, source number 7 on my short sheet, it says, V'chol sofek nefashot doche et shabbat we learn, obviously, that a threat to human life, doche et shabbat, overrides the Shabbat. But even a, a doubt, I'm not sure, would this lead to something that's life-threatening? It's not life-threatening at the moment, but it might lead to something that's life-threatening. Even that overrides the Shabbat because this value of life is so, so important, Right? We violated it by feeding the person with a bull moose food that is prohibited to him. And we violate the Shabbat um, because we want to save a life. And ultimately, we're vi- we would violate Yom Kippur, right? We feed people who need to on Yom Kippur to save a life. But I want to use this phrase, Dochet Shabbat, 
right? To not just be, we obviously, in its most simple form, it means Shabbat Breshit and doing work or doing prohibited acts on Shabbat. But I think the message here about Yom Kippur is that Shabbaton, the cessation that we're doing on Yom Kippur of ceasing from caring for our bodily needs, right? That is overridden, right? We don't ultimately, even though the the inui that we create on our body is one to annihilate the body and to come close to death. We do that ultimately to prioritize life. And so we are taught right here by Yom Kippur that life is so sacred that that is the ultimate, that mitzvot can be transgressed to save lives because ultimately that is the main most sacred thing that we have received from the divine. Um, and so I wished you a ketiva v'chatima tova, that it should be a year filled with health and happiness and enjoyment of the pleasure of living as a human being within human civilization. And it should be a year in which you are ascribed for life. Thank you, Rabbi Berkowitz. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode of Pardes from Jerusalem. 